Well, my name is Miata Jones, and um, I have the pleasure of being on staff here at Grace Covenant Church. Um, I just got back from Hawaii. Aloha! And I'm not going to spend this whole night talking about, well, maybe I am talking about my trip in Hawaii. I was there for almost eight days. Um, it was incredible. Um, but you know how there's like those annoying people that you, that you know, there's people that you know that everything you say, it's like, hey, I was going to lunch today. And it'd be like, you know, that one time I was in Hawaii, I went to lunch too. And you're like, be quiet. But um, <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm a little jet lagged. So you're going to get the full unadulterated <laughs> Miata tonight. Um, but I really am excited about this series that we're in. Pastor AJ kicked it off last week um, with this really crucial definition. And it's just this. It's important that we see God rightly in order to honor him rightly. So each week we hope to underscore and maybe reveal one aspect of God that allows us to be positioned to have a fuller vision of God that leads us to rightly worship him. And tonight I get the honor to talk about my favorite topic, which is the presence of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The presence of God, if I'm honest, the presence of God has saved my life. It has given me strength. I'm going to cry already at the top of my sermon. Um, It has saved my life. And it's what I wish for every single person in this room to experience the manifold presence of God. Because there's nothing like it. Once you experience it, You're ruined for anything else. Nothing in this world can compare to it. There's healing in the presence of God. There's strength in the presence of God. There's hope in the presence of God. And that's what I hope we can unveil, talk about together tonight. Um, And I see this so clearly laid out in the scripture, Psalm 84. So if you have your Bibles with you tonight or you have your digital Bibles like, like I do, um, turn with me to Psalm 84. If you're there, say, got it. <laughs> Ooh, I always wanted to be an elementary school teacher, so here I am. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, I'm reading from the NLT version, and it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King, And my God, what joy for those who can live in your house. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Because when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, 
our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed because a single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. Can we stop right there? (laughs) The Lord God is our sun. The thing that illuminates the earth, the thing that causes the waves to stop at a certain point. He is that and our shield and he gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heavens, armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you're here tonight already. You're working and you're moving and you're doing what only you can do. So God, we say glory to you honor majesty belongs to you for you and you alone are holy there is no one like you and we love you lord and we ask that every single word that's spoken tonight would give you honor god that you would hear it and be blessed in that every single heart under the sound of my voice god that you would prick their hearts That they would not just hear you with their ears, but they would hear you with their heart. God, that you would draw them to yourself. You would reveal yourself to them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Woo! I didn't even get through reading the scripture, guys. (laughs) Um, But have you ever been to a gathering, a party, an event? A place that has positively impacted you or stayed with you forever. We can raise your hand if you have. You've had one of those moments. I've had a few of those moments, but one in particular that comes to memory that I feel like exemplifies what we're going to talk about tonight is a couple years ago, my friend and I traveled to Charlotte, North Carolina to go to Elevation Church. <laughs> Woo! You can clap. It's, <laughs> it's fine. I love Stephen Furtick. Anyways, so if you see me on any of the pre-service bumpers, you've probably seen me wearing Elevation Church shirt. Um, I got it at this time, so that's fun. But my friend had a friend there who was on staff, and she invited us to come down, get the VIP treatment, get a tour around, um, and she would host us. So we drove really early in the morning, and we got there, um, and we asked for the lady by name, and she greeted us both warmly and made small talk. Um, and then she asked for my name and actually how, asked how to pronounce it um, and how to spell it, which I thought was super sweet. Um, then she showed us our front row seats. It was VIP right in the front, which we felt so fancy. But after service, we met up with her, um, and she said she wanted to invite us to her home, her family's house, for, for lunch. Um, and if any of you guys watch Investigation ID like me and my mom, you're probably like, uh-oh, that's how you get killed. But um, <laughs> we went anyways, and as we walked into the doors of this home, it probably was the most beautiful tablescape I've ever seen. Like, think about flowers, fine china, and they had, like, nameplates for all of us on each of this, the settings with, like, thank you cards. It was like incredible. Um, and so we go looking for our seats. And when I get to my seat, um, I see that my name is spelled correctly. Now for all of you guys that may, you, 
you may know me or see me, you may know how to spell my name, but my name gets butchered all the time. Everywhere I go, people call me Miti, Misty, Mina. In Hawaii, they called me Mina. It's has nothing to do with Miata. <laughs> so you already know at the, at the top of this moment, I felt special. I felt honored. And I was awestruck by the intentionality of the care and thoughtfulness that they didn't have to do. Right? They didn't have to do that. They could have ordered Zaxby's, and it would have been, and <laughs> Zaxby's in the South <laughs> is Chick-fil-A. But they could have ordered Zaxby's, and, um, and it still would have been nice because we were all but strangers to them. But they treated me like a very special guest. And not just a very special guest. It felt like they treated me like a long-lost family member. And I'm pretty sure I cried multiple times during the evening, which I'm sure you're not surprised about. Um, And at the end of it, they prayed a blessing over us, individually and together. And I could cry just thinking about it now. But it's taken me a while to put into words why that moment has stayed with me. Have you ever thought about that? Like, why these moments stay with us? Is it because the people were there? Is it because of the environment? Is it because something special happened there? For me, it's because I was welcomed into a home where the presence of God abided. Where generosity of love was abounding where I was seen, I was known, and in that place, all of my defenses and maybe offenses that I brought in with me could fall to the ground. Even the weariness of the travel day seemed to be wiped away. My soul was refreshed. And it hits differently when you are loved and cared for by something, someone that needs nothing from you that doesn't depend on you, that isn't doing it out of obligation or reciprocity, but purely generosity. So why do I tell you that story? Why do we keep these moments in our heart long after they've passed? It's because I think that gives us a really small glimpse, maybe a small window into what we get to partake of when we're invited into the presence of God. There's this like heavenly reality that comes to earth because of the presence of God that no outside experiences compare to it. It's why we all carry these stories. Um, It's what we long for this kingdom reality, not just to be moments and glimpses, but to be a place where we live. Right. We want to be known. We want to belong. We want affirmation. We want to be seen for who we really are. And loved in spite of it sometimes still. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this. And this is the amplified version. It says, he has also planted eternity, a sense of divine purpose in the human heart. A a mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Because those moments make, make you know that you've only barely scratched the surface in being known and loved. That's why the sons of Korah can say in Psalm 84, verse 1 through 2, how lovely are your dwelling places. My soul longs for and greatly desires the courts 
of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Why, if they haven't experienced that type of love? I would rather be a doorkeeper at the threshold of the house of my God than live at ease in the tents of wickedness. Not only is that verse kind of like a mega Christian worship song. Have you, do you guys remember that song? Better is one day in your courts. Better is one. You can sing it in your house. Better is one day in your courts. Thousands elsewhere. One more time because I love to sing. Better is one day. Ooh. Hey. One day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. Thousands elsewhere. That's right. Okay. (laughs) He knew the little refrain. I love it. Um, But it hits differently when you realize a little bit of the backstory of that psalm. It's astounding for them back then, and it's astounding for us now. Because we have access to the presence of God consistently where those in the Old Testament only had access to it intermittently. Only people like Moses and and Abraham and David had this kind of access to the presence of God, where we daily have access to the presence of God. The presence of God was largely localized to the temple and the tabernacle for the people of God. The temple was set up in, I like to say, three different parts. There was the outer court, the inner court, and then there was the Holy of Holies. And there were a lot of rules about um, who could access and experience the presence of God at that level, holies of holies. Only a certain person, I'm literally quoting Pastor Tellis because he said this in, in a message, only a certain person from a certain family, from a certain tribe, on a certain day, could approach God. And only in a certain way, dressed in a certain way. And then, maybe, they would live. (laughs) that's the truth (laughs) maybe they didn't know they were going in there just like well we'll see and that's why there are bells on the bottom of their clothes because if the bells stop ringing end game (laughs) okay but even them who were priests in the house of god so this psalm was written by the sons of korah even them who were priests in the house of God, their whole life and their whole job was to minister to God, had limited access to the presence of God. Even them, who ministered day and night, only had limited access to him. That's why when Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? That's a revolutionary statement. The Israelites would be astounded, like, we can't even get that close. Only the priests can get that close. But regular, everyday people, doesn't matter what your last name is, doesn't matter what your family lineage is, doesn't matter what town you come from, you can access the presence of God. You are the host. You are a host for the presence of God. We, because of Jesus... This New Testament reality, we have more access to God than they had, yet we have less reverence. Why? 
because we have made the presence of God commonplace when it's extraordinary. And Psalm 84 gives us a word picture for the immense, innumerable benefits and blessings of God's presence. And I just want to go through this list because, I mean, you can read the psalm yourself, but it really is astounding. When we say the presence of God, these are the things that you can enjoy every single time. Not just when we gather in church and Pastor Tiffany and Darby are on the stage and they're leading us in worship. But when you're in your car in traffic and someone cuts you off. When you're in the cubicle and someone is singing at the top of their lungs and you want to be like, oh my God. You know, like when you're in your house and your kids are screaming, the presence of God is there too because of Jesus. So let's look at verse one. It says, how lovely are your dwelling place. The presence of God, if you're taking notes, (laughs) the presence of God reveals the beauty of knowing God. God made himself knowable and followable in the person of Jesus. Knowable, which is astounding, and followable. You want to know what God is like? What would God do? What would he say? How would he treat you? Look to Jesus. Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and this is long, but I'm going to read it because... I want to. Um, It says this about Jesus. He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. And for him, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. And he himself existed And is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the church. For it pleased the Father for all the fullness of the deity. The Godhead. The sum total of God's essence. All his perfection. All his power. All his authority. All of his attributes. To be found in Jesus. The presence of God gives us a glimpse into what Jesus, what God is like. Every time you come into the presence of God, I don't know if it is for you like it is for me, but I come in and I may be weary and I see Jesus as my strength. I come into the presence of God and I'm confused and he gives me clarity. I come into the presence of God with issues. And sometimes I walk out of the presence of God with those issues still issuing. (laughs) Right? But I have peace. I have wisdom to navigate it. I've never come to the presence of God and not left with a peace of God. Never. There's never a time that I've come except for when I wasn't willing to receive it. Verse 2 says this. 
I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body and soul. I will shout joyfully to the living God. We have a need deep in our hearts and our souls. The deepest part of our being longs for his presence. We've all felt it. The hunger for purpose, the hunger for meaning, the hunger for understanding, the hunger for belonging, the hunger for affirmation, the hunger to know that we're on the right track. In this world, I love what Pastor Corey said a couple of weeks ago during his communion sermon. He said, the world demands more, more, more. But Jesus says, done. There's nowhere else. I've, I've searched. <laughs> I'm sure you've searched too. You've looked to Netflix when we're in lockdown. You've looked to whatever it is, food, to find some sort of comfort, some sort of meaning, some sort of distraction. And there's no place else that I've found satisfaction and comfort in that lasts beyond the moment than the presence of God. That was my sister. She's in the back. I love her. Okay. Um, But verse 3 says this. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. Matthew 6, 26 says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. He clothes them. He comforts them. How much more valuable are you than they? There is security and peace and assurance in his presence. And then I love this one. Me and Charles were talking about it. Um, Pastor Dukes um, sent me this word, and I was like, I don't even know how to pronounce it. But um, I'm going to say it because I think it really embodies this whole principle of um, found in verse 4. It's called the corporal reality of God. That it's not just a mist, like this fog in this air, but you can actually tangibly touch it. You can feel it. You can sense it. Like, you know when you are, maybe you're washing dishes at the sink, and like someone comes up behind you and you can feel their presence in the room, and you know that they're physically there. That's what this word means. That God is not just, you hope that you might hit him. You know, like he is, he's physically manifesting himself, his presence in our midst and community and that corporal reality of God and community that we come into through shared experience. I was, um, we were talking about this in the back, me and Charles and, um, I love music, lead worship. We write songs here and there, but all of the songs that we love especially recently, especially by Maverick City, some of them are written by one person, right? 
But a lot of the songs that we, we love are written by multiple people. Why? Because each one of us in that room has a different experience and viewpoint of God. And together, we create a 3D version, visual, for people to see of what God is like. Because for me, he may be a healer. For Pastor Tiffany, he's the God of the miraculous. For Darby, he's the God who walks in the room and stands beside you. You know what I mean? Like, but all together, it's that thing you feel when you hear a song and you don't really know why it touches you, but it touches you. It's because the body of Christ, when we come together, there's a 3D vision of God that you can't have by yourself. Now, I love the fact that this scripture, join a small group. <laughs> That's my plug. Um, but I love this scripture because, because of Jesus, we don't need a priest for us to experience the presence of God vicariously, like at a distance. What is God saying? What does he, what does, what is he like? What does he want? No, we can actually access him directly ourselves. But what happens when we all come together as worshipers, it fills the room with faith. If each one of us are accessing the presence of God and know what he's like and have experienced him, then when we come together, it is what Pastor Tellis and Pastor AJ say all the time. I may not have strength, but you can lend a little bit from me. Right? It's just the body of Christ when we come together. And the last thing point that I want to go through is the strength and guidance we draw from his presence. So verse five and six says, what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessing. When I was reading the scripture, I read it in the ESV version, and it says this, blessed are those whose strength is in you and in whose heart are the, pa- are the highways to Zion. That is prophetic because <laughs> these are priests who only had limited access to God, and yet they're saying there will come a day when the Holy Spirit is indwelling the believer and there's direct access to him. If you've ever been on HOV lane here, when you have a dual passenger, it's a straight shot. You don't have to sit in traffic all the time. That's literally what these psalmists are saying. You will have a straight shot to God. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait in traffic. You don't have to wait for Pastor Tellis or Pastor AJ to come down, or, you know, pray for you. You can pray to God yourself. You have direct access. Um, And in Genesis, even in the darkness and the void, the Holy Spirit was hovering. And that probably will hit someone when you're going home. But the Holy Spirit was hovering in darkness. Creating a path for the word of God to come forth and enact creation. Even in the places no one sees. Even in your dark places even in your places of weeping and sorrow, even in the seasons you do not understand, the Holy Spirit is there. And it's in the presence of God that you find the strength that turns those seemingly bad places 
valleys of weeping into a place that brings life. One of my favorite people on to follow on Instagram is this guy named Ian Simpkins. He's a pastor in Nashville, and he said this, which I think really just puts an exclamation point at the end of this. He said, there is this scene in the Gospel of John where Jesus walked on water amidst a violent storm, and his disciples were, that, that his disciples were caught in. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water um, toward them, they were terrified. Understandably, they thought he was a ghost. But what Jesus says to them is astounding. He says this, ego am I, which is translated here as it is I. But a better translation for that phrase is I am. One person got it. (laughs) While it may not be clear to us, those hearing those words, ego am I, would have likely known immediately what was really being communicated. Ego am I was the name that God gave Moses when he asked God, who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? At first glance, this may seem like God has poor grammar, but I believe what is being conveyed is deeply profound. He's not merely saying I am, but rather I always am. There hasn't been a time that I, have, that I was not. I don't merely exist, I am existence. I don't merely live, I am life. So for Jesus to evoke that name, ego am I, would have been scandalizing enough, but he follows it up with a scandalized, even more scandalizing thing. He says, do not fear. And then he climbs in the boat. In the Hebrew scriptures, every single time God revealed himself, it was followed with an instruction of stay back. But Jesus, God in human flesh, in power and authority, invites his pupils to cast their fear aside, and then he gets in the boat with them. For me, this is a beautiful reminder that even when the storms rage, And we are left feeling as if everything is unraveling. Jesus comes with both authority and affection. Power and proximity. Because he is both infinite and intimate. And instead of merely just telling us, do not fear, he gives us courage and then he climbs in the boat with us. The presence of God. Jesus, Emmanuel, is God come close. So as I close, I want to say a a few things. God hasn't changed. His presence hasn't changed. If we pay attention, God was intentional all those generations about making himself accessible, even with the limitations that the Old Testament people had, and even the limitations that the priest had, he still wanted to be with his people. And it points to him still making himself accessible, but in an even greater way now. Because the outer courts, the inner courts, 
the holy of holies, and the veil that keeps us from the holies of holies was torn. When Jesus said, it is finished, the earth shook. The temple walls shook. And the veil that kept us from God and God from us was torn from top to bottom. And I love that little note that the Bible says because it means that we had nothing to do with it. There was a promise in the Old Testament. And it finds its fulfillment now in Jesus. The problem for most of us, and me sometimes, is we've lost the awe for his presence that the priests once had. Even though we have more access. But what kind of people would we be if we, once again took up the banner of worshiping God with awe and wonder. Because now we're priests. That's what the Bible says. (laughs) Paul wrote it with his own hand, he said. And what if we were a people filled, what if we were a church with people who access the presence of God, not just on a Sunday, not just on a Wednesday, not just because they're in church, but accessed his presence every day and carried his presence into this place. You know what would happen? That same experience that I felt years ago visiting that family at Elevation where my defenses came down and my offenses were laid at the feet of Jesus. Every single person who walks through these doors would feel just as known, just as loved, just as seen as we do every time we enter the presence of God. And they wouldn't know what, what is this feeling? And each of us get to tell them that's God. we would be a people marked by his peace and his strength and his wonder and his hope. And we would be a people who stood out in the world. Can we just take a moment, maybe all eyes closed. If you want to stand, go ahead. You want to raise your hands, do whatever feels comfortable for you, but let's stay in an, a posture of re- receiving. Maybe say in your heart or you can say out loud, Jesus, come close. Jesus, make me aware of your nearness. I lay down my defenses. I lay down my offenses. Move in, Jesus.
I don't want just glimpses of your goodness. I don't want just glimpses of your strength. I need a life with you. nothing more we want more than you, God. Help us to regain our sense of awe and wonder that you didn't have to. You didn't have to tear the veil. You didn't have to come. You didn't have to die. You didn't have to be resurrected, God, but you did so that we could know you. We will never, ever, ever again take your presence for granted because it is a privilege that generations did not have access to. Would you fall afresh on us with your presence, God? Fall afresh on us. We receive your love, Lord. God, we receive you. Thank you, Jesus.